0: This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 90. Today, I am hanging out with my incredible friend, Lori Harder. You might have seen her on the cover of a few fitness magazines, no big deal, but she is sharing all about how different mindsets can really affect the way that you are impacting the world, from the way that you are raised, to the values your parents have instilled in you, to the dreams and goals that you are setting for yourself, Lori is opening up her her life to us so that we can see how long it took for her to truly, quote, make it and what it looked like when she finally did. This woman is one heck of an inspiring human being, and I am so grateful that you get to hang out with her today. You're listening to the Goal Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You, my friend, you hate ads. Am I right? It's like, just get me to the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear, so loud and clear that I'm doing something radical and I am dropping all sponsorships. Now call me crazy, but bear with me. When I first started the Gold Digger podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there. And so to align with my mission, this show isn't sponsored anymore, but it is brought to you by my free Pinterest resource, the ultimate Pinterest guide. That's right. It's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. To get your hands on it, simply go to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right. Another free resource made especially for you. Again, that's www.jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. And now let's get to the good stuff. Are you ready? Hey everybody, it is Jenna Kutcher and today I am so thrilled to introduce you to a woman who has been a part of my life since January and I'm only left wishing that she was a part of my life for the last 29 years of my existence because she is that amazing. Her name is Lori Harder. Chances are you've seen her gracing the covers of some of your favorite fitness magazines. And I can tell you from personal experience that her abs are even more incredible when you are in their presence. But this woman has been such a light. She's been a part of the mastermind that we both joined this year. Her and her husband have been so influential and inspiring in my life. And not only is she a beautiful person on the outside, but I think she's even more beautiful on the inside. She hosts her own podcast, earn your happy. She leads an incredible membership site where she's inspiring women to live happier, healthier lives. And she has the cutest dog on planet Earth named Waffles, which is the best dog name I've ever heard. So welcome to the show, Lori.
1: Jenna, I'm so excited to be on here and really I'm just thrilled to be able to chat with you. So
0: I know people just get to listen in on our conversation. It's like, do they even know how lucky they are? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am the lucky
0: one today. Yeah, right. So, okay, let's kick this off. And I just want for you to kind of go through your story, share about Lori, how you got your start, how you met Chris, the whole shebang.
1: Okay, so I'm going to take you way, way back because that's really, honestly, where it all started. So I grew up in a really small town in Upper Michigan. It is probably three hours away from anything that, you know, had a a target. I didn't even know what that was or a mall. (laughs) So way up in the woods, and I was raised in a really religious family. We didn't celebrate holidays, and by the time I was done with middle school, I was homeschooled through high school. So they didn't want you know the outside influences to basically affect you. And also, throughout middle school, it was just really challenging because of all of the different religious beliefs, and I wasn't allowed to associate with people outside of my religion. So that was really challenging, having to turn... Everybody down. So that was, that really shaped a large piece of my life along with my entire family struggling with their weight. So I remember going on my first diet at eight years old. It was during the whole fat free craze. I don't know if you mm. remember that or not, <laughs> but I literally was learning how to check things to see if they were fat free. But all that pretty much did was teach me how to. Heat up a bag of marshmallows and rice krispies and make fat-free Rice Krispie treats and eat the whole pan. <laughs> <laughs> so really at a young age, I was already completely in this love-hate relationship with food and also struggling socially. So what ended up happening was without realizing it, I had, you know, I loved to watch gymnastics on TV. I love there was something on ESPN they had that were they filmed fitness competitions, women's fitness competitions. It was like, they probably only had it on once every six months, but whenever I could find it, I would look these fitness competitions up and watch these exercise dance routines. And somehow that just stuck in my brain between the gymnast and these dance routines, fitness dance routines. I was like obsessed. I'd never felt the way that I had felt when I would watch these women. I thought, You must feel confident if you have that much power and grace and strength. And to me, it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. I just fell in love. And from there, it was like, how can I find more of that? And I remember begging my mom as a teenager or like 12, 13 years old to buy fitness magazines, buy me fitness magazines that I could read cover to cover. I would carry them around in my bag. I would, they would be tattered. I plastered my closet walls with these images because to me, I just wanted more of that. I wanted to learn how to get to that because to me, they looked like they were free. They looked like they were confident. They looked like they were powerful, that they must have everything figured out if they had this body. So Fast forward through a lot of just really challenging teenage years between the religion and trying to learn about food and learning about exercise. And I started exercising through my teen years. And while I was exercising, what I didn't realize what was happening is that I was getting in touch with my soul. I was really getting in touch with, to me, what I didn't know yet was how I connected to... God, source, whatever you believe, through exercise, through movement. It was the only time in my life that I felt clarity was when I would go move my body, get outside of my environment, get outside of the fearful beliefs, get outside of what other people were saying. And I would feel this voice of you're going to do something amazing or you're connected to something bigger or don't worry, everything's going to be fine. I That's the only words I can, you know, even try to tell you what they were saying because you don't know what it is. It's a feeling, you know, and, and those are the words that I would say would come with that feeling. So I got really into working out and not losing that feeling. So as I got older, I knew that I wanted to help other women experience this. I knew that I wanted to help other women have this transformation because I went from, not feeling good, feeling anxious all the time. I watched my mom have panic attacks through my teen years. And of course, I immediately had panic attacks after watching her first panic attack. It's so amazing how that happens. We watch it and think that must be happening to me. So I started suffering with that and working out was also helping with that. But that was a huge reason why I wanted to free women. And I thought that freedom came from exercise. And while I learned later on, once I started training women, that there was a sense of freedom and a sense of empowerment within exercise. There was so much more that if we didn't touch on the mindset and the nutrition and also just facing a lot of the things that, you know, our beliefs were holding us back that I wasn't able to give them this freedom because in a way I was still stuck. I still felt chained by my anxiety. I still felt a bit chained by how I felt about food. So I knew that I had work to do as well in this area. So what I did was I dove really deep into self-development, not only for myself, but because I knew that this was the path that I was meant to teach. And it, you know, as all teachers, and especially, I know that you know, this You want to share everything you're learning. So as I would have these wake up calls and these epiphanies and oh my god, I, what was that was, that was just speaking to me and telling me where to go and what to do. I was like, every woman needs to experience this. And so for me, it's kind of like a, Bait and switch. It's like you may come to me because you want the abs, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna tell you how to really get them, but -hmm. we're gonna start moving first. And maybe we're gonna talk about food and maybe we're gonna talk about nutrition, but at the end of the day, we have to heal. We have to learn to love our bodies and we have to know what it is that's actually holding us back. Is that our belief? Is it someone else's belief? Is it a voice that keeps replaying in our head? Like, what is that? So that's really when I started creating this other component to everything that I do, because I could work people out all day. I could give them workout programs and meal plans, but they're only going to go as far as their belief system. So that's when we really started adding that mindset portion through the Bliss Project event, through the Bliss Habit Eco course through different modalities in that way. And also through my monthly program, we do a massive mindset portion to that because I know I can only get them as far as their beliefs have gotten them. That's it. So wherever they've gotten before, if something doesn't shift, that's where it's always going to stop. And that's really how I started getting into all of it.
0: You and Chris always have the most amazing things to say about limiting beliefs. Talk a little bit about the limiting beliefs you had and kind of what your journey has looked like in overcoming them, because I love hearing you guys talk about this.
1: Oh my God. Limiting beliefs. Okay. So it's a, billion. <laughs> a laundry list. Still working on limiting beliefs. And then once you think you've gotten them, you're like, wow, I found this. Whole new um, <laughs> limiting beliefs. I had a massive limiting belief around money. That was huge. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go there first because it truly was connected to everything that I was doing. It was connected to so much of, even when I opened my own gym and, and launched programs and The limiting belief around money was that it was evil (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I was raised very religious and to think that we, honestly, it was the scripture story or um, treasures in heaven, not on earth. And it was, you know, if you're trying to accumulate on earth, you're not a good person in just to get by with what you need. But that was not working. I watched it in my family. They had gone bankrupt twice and we couldn't, we have never... You know, my dad would help people physically, but we never really sought out to help people as far as maybe being able to shift where they're at, being able to monetarily help them, being able to change something because we were so consumed by the struggle. It was like, I literally remember every single Sunday for some reason, I don't know if it was because, you know, my parents had a case of like, going back to Monday, like looking back, it was every Sunday. This is such a funny memory. And I still talk about it. We would go to church and then we would go to a Chinese buffet and we would eat so much food. And then we'd come back and we'd all feel like crap. And my parents would fight about money. It was like every single Sunday. And I remember just hearing this constant ongoing battle about the stress around what we couldn't do and what we didn't have and how stressed out they were and how were we going to make it. And I just remember feeling so helpless And it was the worst feeling as a child. And I can only imagine as a parent what that must feel like. But looking back, that was a huge, that was such a driver for me later on because I don't ever, ever want to A, feel that helpless or B, have my children or people around me feel that way either because there's so much that you can do, but it's a belief, right? Number one, money is evil. Number two, I don't deserve it. Number three, I can't get it. That was another one. I can't get it. I can't make it. So, or, you know, I'm not worthy of that money when I ask for it. So that was really limiting me from being able to get outside of my stress bubble. Because when I even first met Chris, it was like, I just had such a limiting belief in so many stresses from all of the debts that I had, you know, rung up over being 20 years old and getting, you know, eight credit cards at once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just, it started then and it just kept on going and going and going. So for Chris and I, something that we did to overcome our limiting belief on money is we would read books on how to overcome them together. And one of the main books that actually shifted us was T. Harv Ecker's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And we did that book every single, so every single night in bed we would read a few pages sometimes two pages, sometimes 10 pages out loud. And we'd take turns reading and we do the process throughout. And at first we were like, this is so cornball, but it was, <laughs> it was so amazing because we were having such epiphanies of, whoa, this is not my belief. Like this is not how I actually feel about money. And this is not how I actually want to feel. This is my parents' belief that I've adopted. So you do a lot of work around that. So limiting beliefs. One thing that I've learned is that it's just reprogramming your mind. It's just really looking at that belief and realizing that it's not serving you. And that it's not yours and that it's most likely the belief of the people that you are surrounding yourself with or that you've been raised by and then really going to work to reprogram it and reprogramming it might take the rest of your life. But even if you're working on it, you're going to start seeing shifts. Um, so that was a huge limiting belief that had to be lifted before we could really make shifts. But let me tell you when we both did it together, like if you can do it with somebody doing it alone is fantastic too. But if you can do it with somebody, I feel like it's just that confirmation of like, yes. Okay. When I would slip back, he would be there to, you know, remind me of how we feel or to have faith because my whole motto around limiting beliefs is full-time faith. And it's literally remembering that you are not doing this life alone. So whether you believe in God, source, Buddha, whatever it is to know that there is a source that is higher than you, more powerful than you that wants to help you. That is my belief. And I'm always relying on it. And honestly, without it, or when I'm feeling a bit out of alignment or a bit out of faith, I feel scared. I feel small. I feel really fearful. And that's when I know I'm relying on my own strength And when I have to remember, this is not up to me, this is not for me. And I just shift back to that full-time faith of, you know, this isn't my belief. This isn't how I want to feel. I know fear is not how we're supposed to feel. So I just shift back to that. You don't get a choice in full-time faith. You don't get to choose when you feel faithful. There is no part-time faith. You are all in or you are all out. So that's a constant reminder for us.
0: Excuse the interruption, I know you're enjoying this content and your brain, maybe it feels like it might explode. So I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest, pinning recipes, fashion inspiration, home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get you more pin that's right, with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible. Possible with our free Ultimate Guide to Pinterest, and I want you to get your hands on it. Cool? Hop on over to www.jkpinterest.com. Get your copy, Start rocking Pinterest, with intention today. So if you have to, hit pause, get your guide, and then we will jump back right into today's show. That is so awesome. So... Share a little bit about your journey because I love hearing the story about how you wanted to be a cover girl Mm -hmm. and what it actually looked like to become one. Because if anyone Googles Lori Harder, first off, we're going to see you as brunette, which it was so funny to me because I only (laughs) know you as a blonde, but talk a little bit about that story because that was a dream and it didn't necessarily come true overnight for you.
1: Oh my gosh. So this was going on (laughs) the entire time while creating businesses. And, and technically some of the businesses were created because I wanted to support this dream because Mm -hmm. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be this fitness person. I'm supposed to shift all these people. And I'm also a complete introverted extrovert. So Mm -hmm. I can be so extroverted when it comes to like, you know, whether it's modeling or being on camera but I socially I can be insanely introverted so for me it was like the perfect modality to be able to be that person that I knew I was inside but have an excuse for it does that make sense it's Mm -hmm. like you're like yeah because this is what I'm doing but then but then can I just be alone for like the next eight hours (laughs) exactly I'm like, this is perfect. And I love to help people and I love to shift people. But I, for some reason, I've always had visions of massive groups of people and whether I would have visions of big, you know, audiences like working out with them or running workouts or what, or TV or whatever it was. And I had these visions of like being somebody, a biggest loser type of personality, a Jillian Michaels type of personality. So the only way that I knew how to do that was to start getting into this fitness world through magazines. Like, okay, I guess one would go compete. Heat and try to get recognition from these magazines and see what we can start doing so really I went in so blind like that's how I started researching I don't know if you remember MTV had a special on it was like changing your body or something and there was a, a fitness coach do you remember when they would do those shows like they would just do these random oh, like,
0: like real life I'm yeah. a fitness trainer or something that's kind what of it. it
1: was real life I'm a fitness competitor okay
0: yes I remember those <laughs>
1: okay perfect. So I had watched one of those, and this is when I started, you know, really getting interested in maybe I could do these fitness competitions. Where in the heck does one go? There weren't, like, websites on this stuff really at all yet. Like, and if there were, it was these weird, weird one-page, like... Creepy things. So I watched an episode, saw a fitness coach who was like, I can help train this girl and turn her into this in X, Y, Z amount of time. I found this woman and she was having a fitness camp and I was like, that is it. I'm going. I just was like, Chris, I've never been on a plane by myself. I booked this ticket to go out to her fitness camp. I was like the most introverted person at this camp. I was freaked out. (laughs) I was having like my own personal panic attacks in the corner, like 24 (laughs) seven. It was Probably one of the worst and best experiences of my life. They made you put on these clear stripper heels and walk like you're in a fitness pageant right away. And I was like freaking out, but somehow this woman said one thing to me at the end of the camp after three days of being, what I truly felt was being tortured, but I wanted to do it. Right. But I literally felt like I was trapped in my own personal hell. So she came up to me and she was like, I really think that you're made for this. Like, I think you'd be good for Mm -hmm. it. And that was it. Like I had never had my parents say anything like that to me. Like it was very, you know, we've just been, my parents are so loving, but it's never been the supportive type of love. Like they're very Mm -hmm. affectionate. They provide, they're always trying to do the best that they possibly can, but I've never had, like, you know, college was never, we just weren't going to college. It wasn't a thing in our religion. In fact, it was like, you're just going to serve. You're going to go door to door. You're going to preach. So it was very much like I'd never heard even that cheerleader type of language or, you know, having belief in you doing something else. It was always like, oh, cool. Yeah. And then on to taking care of life. I get Mm -hmm. it. We had a very challenging childhood just trying to provide. So that, to me, that was it. Like, I had no idea I was so inspired. I'm such a words of affirmation person. So I was so like, Ma, I'm doing this. Oh, my God. That just lit a fire under my rear end. I went home and I was like, you know, she told me what fitness competitions were around here. I entered this one. This is what I'm doing. So I started doing these fitness competitions. And, you know, I probably did four a year. And if you guys don't know what is entailed in a fitness competition, they're really intense. I mean, you are... Dieting down, they're not really very healthy for you as far as what the diet is because you're eliminating a lot of foods in order to try to get as fit, keep your muscle while trying to be as lean as possible. And for a female, we really love carbohydrates. Our brains function really well off of them. We're happy. We get a lot of serotonin when we are on a well-balanced diet. When we're not, when we're on a typical bodybuilder diet, which is a lot of proteins and greens, your serotonin level goes way down. You're not as happy. It's really hard to get happy. Your periods are not normal. It was a really rough time in my life, but I didn't know this wasn't normal. I just thought it was... All a part of it because everyone around me was saying it was a part of it. So while I was doing this, I was also trying to build a business and get recognized by these magazines. And for some reason, it just, for me, it was taking the long road. I had these girls that I would compete with. We kind of all hung out together and we were on that team as, you know, because that woman that I ended up coaching with, she had a team. So We were on this team and a few of the girls that I would always hang around, even though I would place well, they would always win and they would always get, you know, picked up by all these different magazines. And while I was so happy for them, there was also this part of me that was just, you know, my heart was breaking inside because I knew... That this was my dream to touch mass amounts of women, and this was the way that I knew I wanted to do it. So a couple of things were going on. I started to really feel like if this didn't come true, I wouldn't be happy. So the need, I started to connect this dream of becoming a cover girl or getting in magazines to my happiness. And I started getting very depressed because it was not happening for me. For some reason, they just kept writing back to me that I wasn't their look. I wasn't their girl. I wasn't a fit. And that was heartbreaking because there were only like two women's magazines out at the time. And and I would not take no for an answer. So I just kept competing, kept competing. And Jenna, something I did not share in the TED Talk because it was only 20 minutes. So I'm like, I couldn't fill it all in because I did a TED Talk all about this. So something I didn't share in there is when I Finally, after emails upon emails of like, okay, how about now? This is what I'm doing now. You know, I finally built this community. I have all these women doing X, Y, and Z. This is really amazing. I've totally changed my community and they're all moving and I'm writing this cookbook and I have this YouTube channel. That's when they really started to start taking a look is when you become a person that is now actually taking action and becoming a role model. Instead of just saying, look at me, I won this. Am I pretty? Look at me. Am I fit enough? Like so many people, you know, this is the idea that we have is, oh, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm not fit enough. Maybe I'm not pretty enough. No, maybe you're not making a big enough impact yet. So that was really what I started looking at. But something that I didn't share is when I finally was making a big enough impact and they were like, yes, come up here, fly up to Toronto, Canada. We're going to shoot you for a cover. So I went up there, shot for a cover, like elated, right? My mind was blown. Like my whole world was changed. I'm like, here we go. My dream is coming true. Shot the cover. And then they didn't use it. They were like, no, sorry. We're not using it. (laughs) Like at all? No, like at all. And someone told me, so someone was like, yeah, if they don't use your first cover, you'll never go up again. It means they didn't like you. <laughs> and I'm what? like, oh my God. So a an entire year goes by. I am devastated because I'm waiting for this cover to go out and nothing is happening. And they're like, I'm so sorry. We ended up choosing a different cover over yours. Well, I didn't mind too much because the cover that they chose was the wife of The owner of the magazine. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Legit. I I was like, okay, I kind of see what maybe happened here. So I didn't give up because I was like, you know what? I'm not like going to quit this dream. So kept on emailing again, kept on working in my community, which at this point I was so happy with where I was at because I had opened my own gym. I had started a community. I was training women for stage presence to compete. I was running these boot camps every single weekend. I was hosting seminars. I was like so in it that I was having the time of my life that that's when everything starts happening is when you create and get lost in the things that you enjoy most. Mm -hmm. Those other things are just a bonus and you're attracting them. You're in the feeling of being that person who would be able to not only attract them, but handle everything that comes with it you know if I would have gotten a cover when I first started asking it would have been the worst thing that could have ever happened to me because number one I would have never used those 15 minutes of fame correctly Mm -hmm. and then the month would have come and gone because let me tell you that's what happens when you're on a cover the month comes and goes and you're like wah (laughs) wah nobody knows who you are (laughs) like nothing happened from it if you don't have a website capture you didn't write a good article for it it's like you're just done. Like it's just, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. You get those 15 minutes and it's like, if you were not prepared and you were not mentally, spiritually, physically Prepared to handle or create something out of that, then it was just a moment that can make you feel worse than before mm-hmm. because you got a taste and you create, like you did not, not use it for anything. Not. Yes. So the journey for me took about, oh my gosh, maybe four years before any of that happened of competing nonstop. You know, some girls it would happen in a year, some girls it would happen in one competition. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people it doesn't happen for, but I just, it's a knowing. I think when you get to that place of knowing where you're like, or maybe not, maybe it was just being a psycho, but (laughs) whatever it was, I was positive that something was supposed to make me do this path of becoming a cover girl. And finally, um, a year later, I went up to shoot again, the cover came out and it was pretty magical. But again, it was like, thank God I had things in place at that point because it just came and went. Totally was it everything
0: you thought it would be? Like, you like, know how sometimes in our lives we'd like build these things up on a pedestal and then it happens and you're like, wait, was this what I thought it was going to be?
1: It's really interesting because there were so many emotions that happened during it because number one, you'd like... A lot of times they choose a picture that you don't love. Yeah. (laughs) So there's, there's that, which I can't believe I'm actually sharing. My husband hates that I even like, cause you know, you criticize your picture. Oh "Oh, yeah. All the time. You pick this one of all of them (laughs) and then right away I'm like, nope, oh my God, just let it go and be as happy as you possibly can. So that's maybe the first two seconds. And then the next is like super elated and excited, but you have to just like anything If you are not present and you don't make it a big deal, it won't be Mm -hmm. because no one's like, yeah, you get your Facebook, like congratulations and all of these great things, but it doesn't fill you. It will never ever fill you Mm -hmm. until you fill yourself first, because... To be quite honest with you, there were times that covers came out that I became more empty afterward because I did not frame it right or because maybe I was relying on other people to fill me up or whatever it was at the time. Like I needed maybe I needed validation for some reason to feel like I was really ready to do certain things. It's been a really interesting journey and now it's kind of like... They're so beautiful. They're amazing. I love when things come out. It's really exciting, but I celebrate them for me personally. Like Mm -hmm. I have to enjoy it. I have to make it mean something because at the end of the day, it's meaningless until you make it mean something to you and you make it, you know, you have to enjoy it and love what you're doing because you love giving back to people because you love the journey because you're having fun in front of the camera because you're thinking inspiring thoughts while you're shooting this cover and wondering who it could affect Mm -hmm. otherwise again it's like you're just searching for empty validation and that's all it's that's going to come out of it it's going to be like posting a picture on instagram it's going to be the same thing it's like yay now what yep what's (laughs) next what's next What's next? Always. Totally. So what fills
0: you up these days? So tell us about what Lori's up to these days, because you are doing a billion and one things.
1: So what's filling me up these days is, well, I I just finished writing a book and I told myself, because I had watched a couple friends write books before this and they were telling me how torturous it was (laughs) and they were all trying to talk me out of it. And I was like, no, I absolutely will not like writing a book to me is a blessing And I absolutely will not take that approach. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to be that person who was like, I'm so tortured because I get to create my craft and share my message. Like, And yes, I am kind of poking fun at them because... Because of that, I just, I'm so grateful actually that they shared that with me because Mm -hmm. I can see how that would happen. I had many days where I wanted to go there. And when I say many, I mean most, (laughs) but (laughs) I kept reframing it and saying, I get to do this. I get to share my story. I get to sit down and write. I get to experience these crazy emotions. Like if you can be the watcher of your emotions and of your thoughts, rather than just the feeler at all times, it is actually a wild, interesting ride because Mm. the contrast, right? Life is so beautiful because of the ups and the downs and the contrast. We wouldn't have summer without winter. And so much is actually happening in the contrast, right? There's so much actually happening in those winter months that we don't realize. But if you can just let go, sit back and chill out during those times, like on the days that I was having really Mm -hmm. writing days, like where I was like, I suck at this. I'm a moron. Like I'm not educated enough for this. What am I thinking? I have to use the thesaurus all the time. This is awful. And then, you know, the next day I'm like, I'm a genius. I was made for this. Oh my God. This is my calling on earth. I'm hilarious. Chris, you have to read this right now. Like I am hilarious. so literally though, that was like, it, being the watcher of that became so funny to me. It was, so when I would have a bad couple of days, I was like, that's okay. Like there's so much going on right now underneath that I don't realize that's actually giving me content. So I said a couple of prayers during writing my book. I was like, I want my life to be content. Like, just mm. let me see my life as the content. I don't need to reach outside of me. I don't need to be smarter than I am right now. Like my life is the content. Well, did I ever get content? Like there was a point where I was about to say a prayer, like no more content because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. overwhelmed
0: with my life and <laughs> <Yes, laughs> the oh amount of content,
1: yeah, the emotional, like, but it was so great. It was like, Janet, it was crazy. Like, I'd be writing about a chapter about... Like gossip or resistance, and I would be getting delivered content for gossip like that day or resistance like in the most beautiful, perfect form that day. But so, and I know everyone's like, well, that happens every day, but not really. It was like stories that are so good and provided in the book that I was like, okay, all right. So when you surrender, when you surrender to what it is that you love, because whatever you love doing or whatever is bringing you fulfillment can only bring you fulfillment if you allow it to. Or it'll just become another job. So it's like completely surrendering and remembering that we get to, we get to create, we get to experience this like contrast and these ups and downs. And so that's, what's bringing me the most fulfillment right now is just really writing and kind of being in a creative mode. And honestly, podcasts like this, like getting out of my little dungeon of writing, which was also (laughs) amazing, but being able to chat with people again.
0: How long did it take you to write your book?
1: Well, if we really want to count from the beginning, it'd be four years, but (laughs) so what I did is I wrote a book and then I ended up, got a book deal because I went into like three really solid months of writing the proposal and I made the proposal just exactly like I did a really good proposal because I really, really, really wanted to see what type of a book deal I could get. Mm -hmm. So when I finally got the book deal, I went back and read the book that I had and they were like, how long do you want to write the book? And I'm like, Oh, three months should be great because I already have a book written. (laughs) And so I read that. I print it out. I like at Kinko's or wherever this place was. And I read it and I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot like, no, this is I cannot even think of printing this, like or turning this in. Read the whole thing and I literally chucked it in the garbage can. <laughs> I was like having ah, a spasm ah. at my house, and I was like, This is crap. What do I do? <laughs> I got the deal, now I gotta write. Oh my God. So I rewrote a brand new book in three months. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, so it was pretty crazy, but anyone can do it. So if I if I can do it, literally, I'm not even kidding you. Like my brother in law who works on my team makes fun of me because of how I type he goes how did you write this book in three months the way that you type like you hunt and pack I was like I know it's crazy oh
0: my goodness that is incredible so tell me a little bit about what kind of advice you would give a woman who maybe just simply has a dream but hasn't pursued it as a job or as a way to make revenue what kind of advice would you pass through
1: Oh my gosh, take one tiny step in making it just like a hobby or a daily thing. So honestly, it's just, you know, little things that I want to do now. If I don't call and make an appointment or put it in my calendar for one thing that I want to do, like, let's just say, you know, when I first... When life was at its busiest, I decided I was going to do guitar lessons because I was like, okay, it's not going to get any slower. Mm -hmm. So what's the first step in taking a guitar lesson? Like sitting down and looking at who will I hire to help me with guitar lessons? Like if you don't take that step, but I I even had to plan it in my calendar. Mm -hmm. It was like, I booked off an hour in my calendar that said, search for someone to teach you guitar lessons. So I was like, okay, and then my goal for that was to have somebody booked at the end of that hour to come the next week because they were only half hour lessons. And I was like, whatever, it's going to be inconvenient. I'm not going to want to do it, but I'm booking in this lesson. So sit down, but you have to schedule that time to sit down to even create your first step, but make sure you take that first step in that first week. Otherwise, you're going to push it off. And I'm telling you, life goes by one week at a time, and there will always be something better. And even the most beautiful thing that you want to do, like play guitar, is going to feel like a pain in the ass when the actual appointment comes. You're like, oh, I want to play guitar. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a photographer. And when you actually go to do it, you're like, I actually just want to eat pop chips on how <laughs> couch and watch TV. Because that's pretty much what I want to do instead all the time. Like, I'm sure there's some great shows I could watch and eat pop chips too. But, you know, that's not bringing me fulfillment at the end of the day. And I cannot live with unfulfilled potential. It's just, it's that feeling of suppression Uh, I think it shows up in our life and how we treat people. I think it shows up in our bodies. I think it shows up in our thoughts, our mood. And I refuse to know that I am the person keeping me in my own prison.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I have a question. It's kind of personal. So if you don't want to answer it, we can totally scrap it. But how has your relationship with your family changed since you've gone through all of this transformation in your life, in your career, in where you live, everything?
1: Oh, I'm totally open about that. In fact, I'm really open about it now with my family. It's funny. We did a landmark forum. Do you know what that is? What is that? Okay. It's a personal development course that literally during the weekend, you don't know what you're getting into, but they're like, okay, so tell us, you know, what's holding you back. What are some of the big issues in your life? Like you go through this whole thing, you write them all down and they're like, okay. Okay. So if this person is alive, you have to call them right now. Oh my gosh. So don't come back in the room until you've called them and told them. I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. I was like, the words that were coming out of my mouth when I went outside with my husband to like make this phone call, I was like... I was so angry. I was like, this, this scam, this, this is Like freaking out, Jenna, like freaking out. So finally, when I got past this wave of resistance, I was like, oh, my God, they're right, though. Like, mm-hmm. number one, I can't go back in that room. Like, you either choose to bail mm-hmm. or confront this. And I was like, I'm never going to confront this. So I actually ended up calling my parents quite a few years ago and just like bawling, like I feel this way and I felt this way. And so, you know, and, and it was a really, it was a great conversation and I think it opened a door It wasn't received awesomely at first, but what it did is it just opened the door because I did say it with a lot of love, especially in the beginning, but once those floodgates open, you know, they're open, but it was beautiful because you ask permission, you know, you ask permission in the beginning, Hey, you know, there's something that I want to talk about that I know if by talking about it could really cause a lot of pain, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's because I'm desiring a closer relationship with you. So that's how it starts. So really talking through that. But as far as my relationship now with them, it's good. They are still, you know, a part of that religion. So it's sometimes challenging just because I respect their beliefs. Like I know where they're at and I know where I'm at. So I kind of feel like I can be really compassionate. And also I can also understand where their belief systems are still at with money So there's a whole lot going on there that is constantly a mirror for me and constantly a place where I can grow, set boundaries. Let me tell you, that's been interesting. Mm. (laughs) Learning loving boundaries with your family. Yeah, it's been a work in progress. If you would have asked me, you know, four years ago, it would have been still pretty rough, but now I feel like we are communicative and it's good. I wouldn't say we're like, yeah, fantastic, but I would say majority of us are
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I think too, you know, you and I have talked about this because being from the Midwest, it's just, it's very different. It's very different than other places. There are very different values, very different beliefs about certain things. And so I think that it's been really interesting to watch you and Chris kind of navigate what you guys are teaching. You know, Chris has a podcast. I was on it. It's amazing. And it's all about like financial gain and why it's not wrong. And so I think it's really cool how you can take how you were raised and the interesting parts about that and kind of transform it so that you are even more passionate about what you are putting out into the world.
1: Mm, I love that you were on his podcast too and you loved it so it's so important for people to create a new relationship I know sometimes you know we live in LA now and it's like people are like oh people have a big problem with that I'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: it's like the perceived like idea of it it's not even like the place it's like what people in the midwest think of when they think of LA you know Mm -hmm. it's so weird it is so stinking weird so before we sign off what is something that is exciting you What are you working on? What fires you up these days?
1: Oh, what am I working on right now? Well, I'm doing edits on the book, but now we're kind of going into Bliss Project mode, which is in March. It's a um, my big live event that happens every year. So I'm always super excited to get started on that and bring in just really amazing speakers and vendors and create a really sacred space for women to transform in a short amount of time. So that is in Newport Beach, California in March. So that's what we have really started working on. But we're always working on a ton of other little projects. <laughs> project. Yes,
0: yes, (laughs) you are indeed. So where can everybody find you online?
1: So online, you can go to lauriharder.com. I hang out on Instagram mostly, though, if you are going to be doing social media. So just at Lori harder. I love Insta stories. Oh, you
0: are amazing <laughs> at them. One of the funniest things about Lori is we did this exercise at our Mastermind where it was so awkward, but so awesome at the same time, where you had to talk about somebody like they weren't in the room. And we were like, Lori <laughs> is stinking hilarious. And so whenever she does really funny Instagram stories, I always call. Back because I'm like yes.
1: (laughs) Will you help me let my freak flag? Oh,
0: you let that fly, girlfriend. Thank you so so much for being on the show. Thank you for just sharing your wisdom and your story. And everybody, go check out Lori. Send her some encouragement today. Check out her beautiful abs, but her even more beautiful mission. Thank you, Lori. Mm,
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun.
0: Thanks for listening to Gold Digger.